The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. This is Waddle and Sylvie on the new home of the Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago. WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. Louis Riddick's going to join us here shortly. Already have almost 1,200 votes on your web poll question. Read the poll question. Which NFL quarterback would you rather have going forward? Hashtag Bears, hashtag Packers. Justin Fields or Jordan Love? After one, th- uh, it's only, it's just over 1,100. Um, oh, oh, with 1,119 votes cast, how would you, have you seen the, how the responses are? Yeah, I saw early on that it was very one-sided. 85% Justin. 85 Bears. I still believe that we'll get better than 5,000 votes before the day's out. Should I bring the hammer right away to Lewis and just ask him yes, the question? Yes, go ahead. Right? All right. Lewis Riddick is always can't miss anywhere he's on. But especially with the Waddle and Sylvie show. And he joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. And he was very passionate watching the Bears game, too. I think he and Bears fans and Vikings fans were the only ones who were passionate about that game. That's not true. <laughs> because, that's not true. Buck and Aikman weren't. Well, that's true. I, yeah, it's okay, that's fair. I, I think it was just the two fan bases that's and true. Lewis okay. who were pan- passionate about it. Uh, Lewis, I'm going to come out with this right out of the gate. We, we just pulled this question hold your yep. feet to the fire we're poking the bear so to speak who would All you right. who would you rather have going forward justin fields or jordan love <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> wow man connection's um, bad do i hear are you still there lewis yeah you know i mean honestly I mean, jordan right now is in a nice groove he, he really is and See, the thing is, Jordan has had the benefit of being able to sit and learn behind one of the best to ever do it in a system that, to me, is very well-defined from week to week as far as what it is exactly philosophically they want to get accomplished. And now it doesn't always look great from week to week, and it's not maybe not going to always be consistent in terms of its execution, but I think in terms of its philosophy, it puts in in a position to continue to grow and improve. And these young guys that he's playing with right now, all those first and second-year receivers, one of the youngest groups in the NFL are all improving too. So when you take it all in its totality, yeah, I, I would I would take him. And all the things I just talked about with Jordan are the kind of things like you watch Chicago, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just, you know, and I'll let you guys ask questions, but I'll say this. <laughs> no, no, you over keep going. Two, over the past two weeks, though, right, if you look at – their game against Detroit and their game against Minnesota. I understand structurally two different types of defenses that kind of pose you two different types of problems, but I'm like, I couldn't recognize offense from the Detroit game to the Minnesota game. I'm like, what the hell's happening here? So, yeah, I'm going with Jordan Love. Who, who And, Lewis, who's that on? Is that on the coordinator? Is that on the quarterback? Yeah, it's on everybody. But, yeah, primarily, I mean, it's on the – I mean, the coordinator has to put together the plan. And the quarterback has to be comfortable with it. And the quarterback has to have enough cachet to be able to say, look, I'm comfortable with this or I'm not comfortable with this. And this is kind of like, I guess at this point in time, if I'm Justin Fields, I'm going, look, this is what I'm comfortable with. 
and this is what I'm not. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm not. This is what's helping us move the ball. This is what isn't relative to what I'm comfortable with. And I just, I look, like I, I tweeted during the Monday night game, right? I said, like, I dare Chicago to get in 12 personnel and run, get under center and run some kind of, you know, first, second down play action pass that they deliver the ball on time in rhythm. And someone's going to run a route that's actually crisp, fast, precise, get out of the break and throw the damn ball. I didn't see it once. Not once. And I'm looking at it like nothing happened on time. Nothing. The drops didn't match up with the route. Justin looks skittish. It looks like, hey, man, just figure something out and throw the ball. The receivers, I mean, the, the spacing, the, the route running, it just, it just all looked like a damn mess. It, it just did. It just, and I, I just watched it again on tape here this afternoon. So, so I'm going, so I wasn't tripping while I was watching this, was I? <laughs> yeah, and then I watched, the, I watched Detroit. Now, Detroit game looks different. They're under center. They're running traditional play action. Sometimes the ball is coming out on time, and I'm going, okay, there are some two-back runs. They are getting some steams and, and gas in the front a little bit. But it's just the inconsistency that it's just it's mind-boggling, and it's infuriating for me just from my – look, and I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't care. I don't care what happens one way or another with Chicago. But um, for the fan base and for people who follow the team and who are invested in this team on a daily basis, a yearly basis, I'm sure you are pissed off at this point over the inconsistency and the kind of like lack of continuity in terms of a plan or an attack and the lack of improvement. It's just, and here's the last thing I'm going to say. Why in the, can somebody tell me why? Darnell Mooney is, has been forgotten as a receiver. I asked the coach and that on Tuesday. And why the he's being yeah. used as a lead blocker and as a point of attack guy on all these different screens they run? What is, what is Darnell? 170 pounds soaking wet, maybe with his helmet on. Yeah. What is like? What's happening here? Lewis, what is that, Lewis? When I watched them, what, the first word or the first, I guess, phrase that I I kind of come to a conclusion is is a lack of trust. It, yeah. it feels like the coordinator does it because like and, and, and I'll try to ask this question or, or phrase it as quickly as possible. They were actually addressing the pressure from Flores with from what I understand, Justin, come to the line of scrimmage, see how many guys are at the line. If I can't block all of them, my audible is going to be wide receiver screen, get the ball out quick and let somebody on one on one. Now That to me limits, you know, that seems pretty, you know, I don't know if archaic, but I would like to see a little bit more diversified approach. But that's up to them. But but I guess the point I'm making, Lewis, is is that to me preaches a lack of trust because if you're afraid that somebody a linebacker is up and he's mugging at the line of scrimmage, he's going to drop back into a throwing lane, and you don't trust the quarterback not to throw it there, then really we're we're stuck, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And look, and and I get that. Okay, so I get that. All right, ball's got to come out quick. What are some of your answers to? To uh, pressure looks where you're going to have a free runner, yeah, get the ball out on the perimeter, get a one-on-one, get some people covered up. We can move the football down the field. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I get that. Okay, I get that a little bit. Um, they can pressure every snap. I right. mean, there, there's, there's got to be there's got to be something to where not everything is done out of fear of. Um, Brian Flores is just going to run 11 up and just send six, seven, and eight guys at you every time. He doesn't do that every time. That, that's not that's not a 
that's not a valid reason for, I think, the lack of diversification in that game plan. And you're right, Tommy. I mean, maybe it does come down to, well, I just don't know how much I can trust our quarterback to be able to handle what he sees at the line that, you know, may put us in a bad situation, and I don't trust that he can maybe get us out of that bad situation into a good one. And if that's the case, then what that tells you is, at this point in time, even after the amount of reps that Justin has taken, albeit with two different coaching staffs, that, like I said the last time I was on here, maybe it's time for you to move on. And maybe you're not going to be the one moving on, because, you know, with whoever the next person is playing the position. Yeah. Because right now, like, it, it is just so uneven mm-hmm. in terms of the, the production, the efficiency, the fundamental soundness in his game. It, it just looks very much – and look, the look on his face sometimes is just like he looks, he looks rattled. He looks like he doesn't have a foundation under him as to, you know, in regards to his confidence in that I can always go to this. I'm still able to play with that level of fundamental structure within myself that makes this, that gives us a shot. It's just literally looks like he's back there going, who the hell is open? Yeah, real quick, I just want to say this because I don't want to misconstrue. When I say a lack of trust, I, I'm saying I don't think the coordinator trusts the quarterback fully, and I don't think the quarterback trusts what's being called that's into what the huddle. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I'm saying that the play calls and the game plan are such that I don't know if they trust that he can get them maybe out of a play that's not ideal and into a play that is ideal or gives them a chance against a team that varies up their looks and gives you so much and really like majors in deception like Brian Flores does. And then I also don't believe that, again, like I was just referencing, that the look on Justin's face is one where I don't know if he's trusting what's happening in terms of how the play is supposed to be executed, and I don't know if he's trusting you know, his ability to get it done. He just looks yeah. lost. He looks in a daze. That money, that game against Minnesota. How many times did you see the look on his face where he's just like, you know, and the whole, you know, patting yourself in the chest and going, "My fault, my fault." Like, who gets a damn? Like, yeah, we know it's your fault when you fumble the ball. We know it's your fault when you throw an interception. Like, it's like that. That's just not. That's not good enough anymore at this point in time in his development and in the overall improvement arc of this football team. It's just not good enough anymore. Something's going to have to move. Someone's going to have to move. Something's going to have to change because it doesn't look any better from one week to the next. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And, like, juxtapose that with when you, the first question you asked me about uh, Jordan Love. It's looking better weekly there. It's looking better weekly. And you know what? At one point in time, when I think uh, Matt was talking about uh, Justin's one of his starts against Kansas City a few years ago, where he said that he just didn't give uh, or Jordan Jordan's he didn't give him enough answers against bags, zero blitz packages, and his you know six and seven man pressure packages, five and six man pressures. And he goes, "That's on me. That wasn't on him. That was on me. He probably could have handled more. I was afraid to give him more." And in essence, basically hamstrung him in that game. Well, that that to me says, okay, 
they have a very definitive plan and a very uh, and a very definitive uh, level of trust about where this young man was then, and they kind of like underestimated it. And then when you look at the way he's playing now, and how these other young receivers in the tight ends are playing now, there's definite trust as to where where we are now and where we're trying to get to, and we believe we're going to get there. And that's why you just see it continuing to improve. And I'm saying like. That, that has got to be extremely frustrating for all the supporters of the Chicago Bears right now. And that, this isn't me. Look, I'm not one of those dudes. You guys know me. I'm not one of those dudes who call for, call for people's jobs and all that crap. I'm not that guy. I'm not because I, I also know that there's information that I don't know because I'm not there. And you're, you're really walking a fine line and walking, uh, you know, and, and doing a higher wire act when you start calling for people's jobs and stuff and you don't have all the information. You're just trying to like get headlines and get people to listen to you and look at you. I'm not trying to do that. But I, what I am saying is looking at this, you know, from the outside looking in and watching how Justin looks in the pocket, how the offense tries to attack, the confidence with which these players approach the game, the execution that they show, the uneven execution that they show, like, if I'm running the team or I'm owning the team, I'm going, this is not good enough. This is just simply not good enough. But like, we're not here to just kind of be middle of the pack, bottom third, bottom quarter. We're the freaking Chicago Bears. We have a history. We have a history that includes Super Bowl. Not a quarterback, like, this, this though. This is not good enough. And, and not a quarterback, Lewis. And so, like, there are a lot of people who still call, though, and say, the upside, it, it, the flashes, the highlights. You know, you know what, man? And the, you know what? Let me tell you this. I, I think I, tw- I tweeted this a little while ago, and you know what? And, and I heard this. I had a coach tell me this once, and, and I believe it wholeheartedly. Flashes get people fired. <laughs> you know why? Because what happens is it flashes just enough for you to continue to hang on and hang on and hang on and hang on. And then next thing you know, okay, as a coach, you're getting your rear end fired because you kept believing in the upside. You kept believing in the potential, and you couldn't see when to draw the line. And what happens eventually is, like, when, when you have these kind of flashes, these kind of uneven performances as, as GM's president's owners, you wind up going, okay, well, you know what? I, I've seen it in spurts, but this still isn't enough because we're still on the outside looking in once the postseason rolls around. And I'm seeing other organizations that, comparatively speaking, are maybe at the same stage in their program build in terms of number of years of a new, of a, of a new system. I'm not comparing Green Bay to Chicago because I know before it's been there a lot longer. Um, but what I'm saying is you see people going, wait a second. They're like years ahead of us. So I don't care about the upside anymore. I just don't care. I, I need to. I need to get something different. And I'm not a guy who wants to pull the plug early, but I want to see progress. And if I, I like I said last time when I was on here, if I was if I was a chief decision maker in Chicago, I'm I'm probably going to be in that room like I was, you know, like I was old school Bill Belichick with the head coach, the coordinators, the position coaches, the the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, everybody going, what the hell is going on? Why isn't this better? I want you to walk me through why this isn't better. Because I don't want to make decisions without having all the information. I don't want to think I know because I listen to somebody on TV say it's his fault or it's his fault or somebody like, you know, just talking out of the rear end without knowing. You tell me who's responsible for the fact that we can't put together performances week after week after week like some other teams are starting to do, and, and we're not on that same developmental arc like some other teams are starting to do in our own division. 
People are leaving us behind, and they're leaving us behind rapidly in our own division. So why why is that the case? Because somebody has to be held accountable. Yeah. So you're uh, saying then to to flat out? I mean, I, I, we could all hear it. You're saying then the right move. You cannot pass up another quarterback at the top of the draft. Unless somebody can convince me that a turn is going to be made in terms of the production that this offense gets, the consistency in terms of its execution, the fundamental soundness in terms of its execution. Unless someone can convince me that, look, over these last of this last month of the season, you're going to see a difference. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm probably looking down that road right now, and, it, and it's not just the quarterback that I'm looking at. I'm looking at somehow, some way, trying to go. How do I get the right people to advise me as to what kind of coach it is exactly that I need? What kind of system is it exactly that I need to put into place? Who are the people that give me the confidence that they're going to be able to teach it in such a way that helps players play at a consistently high level, consistent winning level? And then we damn well better get the players that are necessary in order to execute that system at a high level week after week so we're not getting lost behind by the Detroits and the Green Bays, right. you know, year after year. That's what I'm doing. Lewis, no question about it. I don't think I've ever asked you uh, your thoughts about this. Um, I played with him. You played against him at the NFL level. Probably, I don't know. Probably not at the collegiate level because he's older. But what are your thoughts on on Jim Harbaugh as he may take the 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 journey from the NCAA back to the NFL? And uh, you know his resume as well as I do. His four years in San Francisco, three yeah. straight trips to the NFC title game, one trip to the Super Bowl. Then he had a kind of a falling yeah. out with the you know with Trent Baalke, I believe, over yeah. player personnel yeah. issues. So. Yeah. What are your thoughts on how he possibly would fit back into the NFL environment as the head coach, whether it's in Chicago or anywhere else? Look, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any question Jim fits the NFL environment. That, that's not even something I have to really sit here and, and kind of like ponder. Um, I don't know Jim personally. Obviously, his leadership style, his management style, his day-to-day style with the, you know, with the people in the building, with the players. I mean, all that's the kind of stuff that you'd have to become familiar with to really have a real, real good feel about, hey, do we push all the chips in and try and go get them or don't we? But based on what his production was in San Francisco, based on what his production has been at Michigan and the kind of loyalty – from the outside looking in, that he seems to engender in that org, in that in that program, how the assistant coaches speak about him in terms of how they, you know, feel loyal to him and how he is taking care of them, and then how he is like how his teams have played. Right. Yeah, I I, I would be if it, if it's something where I think it matches up, Tommy, with with philosophically with what I believe and, and like, yeah, I'd, I'd be all over. I mean, are you kidding me? I'd be all over. Yeah, this organization, again, this, I'm speaking for myself now, f- needs to finally find itself with everyone on the same page. Because if we go through this again, whether you, if you change the quarterback but keep the coach or keep the quarterback and change the coach, like, you just, you, this is a vicious, I think Sylvie calls it the cycle of suck. I don't know if that's exactly the words for this particular situation. Yeah. But if, yeah. in fact, you want to pivot and go in a different direction, 
you're going to have to make some really big sweeping changes. Don't you agree? Yeah, look, look I, think, I think everything has to be on the table. When you, we're talking about here theoretically starting at the very top, right? The top down. Okay, we're, if we're sweeping. We're making sweeping. I mean, I, I don't know. Because, look, like I'm one of those people also who believes that, you know, of course there are always incumbents that can work with newcomers, newcomers. All right. So the GM can stay a new coach comes in. Right. GM maybe didn't pick the right coach the first time, the second time it works out. Yeah, it can work. I'm always one of those guys who fundamentally believes that when you're kind of tethered together and you're connected together, that it has, and you guys have a shared interest in trying to make it work from ground zero. It probably gives you a better chance. I've always believed that. Um, but I think once you start new, especially when you're talking about the head coach here. And I think with Chicago, that's where you have to start. You have to So This isn't just a Justin Fields situation. Right. It's just not. You know, it just isn't. That guy, you have to tell, you have to like say, hey, look, you do what you think is best. You cannot saddle him with something that he, and he can't, and you know what, at the same time, he can't be so stubborn and so locked in as to think, well, automatically, Everybody here is crap, and I'm, wipe, I'm just wiping it all out. Because that's not true either. You have to be as objective as you possibly can and as professional as you possibly can to kind of really assess what the situation was and then project it to what you think is going to be based on what you're going to implement. That's what the very best of them do. And you have to trust him or, or however many people it is that you put in that position to kind of like help make these decisions, that they'll make the right call. But see, you know what? That's where the problem lies more times than not in the NFL anyway, is picking that right guy. Because a lot of times, look, we, we see it happening in the league right now. We see it happening. How many times do you think owners or the people who are doing this, how many times do you think they really ask the right questions anyway? I mean, how many, do, do you trust right now the people in Chicago to ask the right questions of whoever the hell would be the next guy coming in in an interview process? I mean, what, what, what are they asking them? My hope is is that Kevin Warren, who has been hired to be the president of football operations, now does know which questions to ask. Right. That's right. That's yeah. right. You're right. And you know what? And I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I have all the answers. Like, I would be able to ask every right question because we know when you're dealing with human beings, like, sometimes it ain't going to work out right. Like, you're, you're going to miss something or it's just not going to go. But by and large, look, and I, I, I met Kevin once, and, and I really liked him. I really did. I, I, I wish I could be around dudes like that more to kind of get to know them more. But it's just so hard for me to sit here and go, like, would the right move be to get rid of Justin, keep Justin, get rid of the coach, keep the coach, get rid of Justin? Do you still trust, you know, um, the coaching staff that's already there? I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I just know this. There is no freaking way – that they're going into 24 with the same regime totally in place and everything totally in place and saying, well, we just got to get a couple more people. Nope. That is not happening. That's not happening. Better Tommy, not. We, we, can both, we can both throw on the tape, especially offensively, and yeah. go, this ain't it. Right. Here, here's, That's not it, man. Lewis, before we let you go, it's a two-part question, okay? Um, yeah. One, and I know it's prelim here. So yeah. who, who, who's your early clubhouse leader on the best quarterback prospect? That's A. And B, Marvin Harrison Jr. People are infatuated with him here in Chicago. Would you put the number one or number two pick for him on the table? 
because I've wondered out loud, and I don't know the answer to this. This is why I'm asking someone like you. How many mm-hmm. times do like Super Bowl champions draft a receiver at one or two? How often does that happen? Yeah, not not, not very. I mean, <laughs> the wide receiver has never gone number one, has it? I don't think so. Not, I don't think not so. I'm someone who, you know, believes that... I think know, Calvin wait. Johnson went really high, but he didn't go yeah. one. Like, I mean, right. No, Keyshawn, it, I think Keyshawn went one. Well, and, and like, how many playoff oh, games okay. do they win with him? Yeah. Like, that's the point, oh, yeah, right. you know? I mean, yeah, yeah see, there was a, it was a two-part question, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, who's my early favorite for number one? I, you know, again, I mean, obviously, you know, these, these quarterbacks this year... I mean, Caleb has some fantastic, fantastic tape, but obviously, you know, you need to find out what kind of person he is. Drake has some very, has some fantastic, fantastic tape. We got to find out what kind of player he is. Bo has some fantastic tape. We got to find out what kind of person he is. Michael Penix, I mean, these guys all have unbelievable, some unbelievable tape. They really do. But you got to find out who they are as people. And what they offer your organization relative to who they are and where they come from and whether or not they're exactly what you need. Because every organization needs something different. I mean, I think the better, the better question to ask, especially when you're talking about Chicago right now, is, is what, what, kind of, what kind of quarterback, what kind of quarterback, I mean, besides just a good one, what kind of quarterback does really the Chicago need? A great one. What do they need? <laughs> okay. And, what, and, and I'll tell you this, and, then, and the next, and really the real question is, what kind of quarterback do they need relative to who's going to be coaching him? Like, it's such a, an intricate, nuanced puzzle. And I know people want simple answers to it, but if it was that damn simple, you wouldn't be in this problem. Here, here's, this here's, the exa- here's the example of that, and I may be wrong here, but I believe that they are now asking Justin, who, by the way, played in a pro-style offensive at Ohio State, to run more of a college scheme. Our coaching staff, if, as far as I, I know, Lewis, with Getzey and others, they are more pro coaches and don't have a ton of college experience to run this system compared that, to, like, Philly that has some coaches on their staff that this has been their specialty in previous existences. Well, isn't that ironic? Exactly. And you wonder why it looks sometimes like a game of grab ass out there. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it does. And that's not, look, I, mean, I like Luke. I do. I do. But it is what it is. That's how I, I don't looks. think his system fits the style that Justin excels at, which is, and again, it's such a mind. Well, well, you know what? Well, then didn't you tell me how, how have they arrived at that decision, I, that that's what he needs then? No, I, I'm with you. But then, then I would also ask myself the question, Lewis. Did anybody think that ultimately Justin was going to be this much of a dual threat quarterback when at Ohio State in his best year he ran for 400 yards? Like, I don't know that anyone ever thought that this would be how Justin would evolve as an NFL quarterback. You're right. Because right now, it's, it's, right now it seems like no one really knows what is best for him. No one really knows how he will best excel. They're, they're, and, it, and it's weird because the young man looks like that. He looks like someone who's, who's trying to do what people want him to do, but it doesn't seem like they've kind of found that sweet spot. It's like they don't even know their own place. Hmm. Like, what's best for him? Okay, because, yeah, I, I, you know, I watched the tape when he was at Ohio State. He, was, he wasn't doing a lot of this no. stuff there. You're right. He absolutely wasn't. So why is he doing it now? 
I think. Like, so why, why are you asking him to do it now? My only conclusion to that, Lewis, is is that the style he played at Ohio State isn't working for him at the NFL because the ball does have to come out quicker and because you do have to read the field sometimes, not deep to short, but short to deep because of the pressure. That's the only conclusion that I can personally come to, that his style at Ohio State, because of all of the talent that was around him, it's a significant step up because the talent on the other side of the ball is so much better consistently. Well, if you remember also, the last time we talked, I said, the ball comes out quicker. The offense looks a lot more yeah. efficient when yep. Tyson's in there. Okay? It seems like he's able to make a decision about where the hell this ball needs to get to much quicker. The, 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 the highs may not be as high with him as they can be with Justin because he's more skilled. But the lows and the unevenness, of the performance are not going to be as low and or as dramatic with him. And so then I asked, okay, so what's not work, what's not translating as far as information goes into the player's brain, it comes out in terms of how he's able to functionally use it when you're talking about Justin and the coaching staff and then when you're talking about Tyson and the coaching staff. What's different? What's not connected? What's not working with one quarterback that seems to be working with the other one. Like, what is it? Hmm. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes it may come down to the fact that, okay, maybe maybe we just can't connect with this guy. Maybe Or maybe he's just not capable of doing what we want him to do. Or, as you're saying, which, again, not being there and not being in these quarterback meetings and right. not actually seeing, you know, how a meeting takes place and then how, how it's put in on the field and then how it's wrapped and all that. Like, I don't want to get to jump get all the way to that conclusion that, Justin just isn't able to play on time, stay on time, stay on schedule within the context of the offense at a consistent clip. I don't want to make that, that conclu- draw that conclusion right now without knowing that. Right. But, damn, it starts to look that way. Yeah. It just starts to look that it's way. It's a it conundrum. To look that- Lu- and, that, and I hate that. Yeah. But I think that's what it's coming to. Yeah. Lewis, great stuff. Always appreciate yep. your passion, your knowledge, and uh, thank you for all the time. We appreciate you. Thanks, Lou. Of course, dude. All right, I'll see you. He's the best. Lewis yeah. Riddick, our discussions with him, he's honest, he's open, he always makes time for us. If you want to react, 312-332-3776. We'll react to it coming up next. This is Waddle's World. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. Bears legend. Amazing. Nine career TDs in the NFL. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him. Tom Waddle. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? It's time to find out what's on Tom's mind. Is that why you are here? As we go inside Waddle's World. Welcome in. Waddles World is brought to you by our great friends and partners at Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks. Find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank. Visit Wintrust.com slash finest member FDIC. Where do you want to go? Well, do you, you want like to, to do you want to take these calls? And then, by the way, uh, we have Would You Rather coming up, so get your yeah. entries in. Hashtag at WS Would You Rather. And then later in the show, we're going to have some Sebastian Maniscalco tickets to give away. We have a trivia question for that. Is Carm okay with that? In the back half of this show. We were having a, a Sebastian Maniscalco debate. I, I what love is him. the debate? He's the best. It, 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 Carmen's not as big of a fan as 
of, of Sebastian as Jesse and I are. Well, I'm going to have to have a talk with him tomorrow on the air about this as he sits in yeah, for you. Yeah, you, you should. You should. Carmen was with something last week. We had a great time, though. Great dinner. Jesse kept his Rangers hat on the entire dinner. I, it was never so took weird. It Jesse's coming up. There are a lot of baseball rumors, not only with Dylan Cease, but also the uh, the Glassdown rumors heating up with the Cubs. Really? Yeah. So He's the guy that's had Tommy John twice, too, right? Isn't is he, he? Is it twice? Am I right about that? No, he's had it once. I don't know if he's had I it thought twice. He was, there look. is a guy. You know I'm pretty good at this obscure information stuff. If Meller was... Is it Glassdown Captain Young? Baseball, Maybe it's not him. I know there was a guy. He's 30 years old. Oh, really? Did he have it twice? Maybe, who'd you call it or say? Maybe it was Baldi. Baldi has had it twice. Okay, maybe that's who I'm thinking. Glassnow is a guy that also looks like Killian Murphy. Yes. From uh, Peaky Blinders and Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Yeah. You're trying to. I'm looking at the picture. And I'm looking here. Find out whether or not he's had the Tommy John. He's had the Tommy John. He's had it at least once, right? By the way, he has two music-themed tattoos. Who One doesn't? on the inside of his lower lip. Really? He has the words No Juice tattooed, a reference to the song No Juice by Lil Boozy. In the inside of his lip? Yeah. He used to have a tattoo of the rap artist Old Dirty Bastard. Let me ask you a question, though. Doesn't the tattoo on the inside of your lip go away because your mouth sheds its skin? I don't know. Over the course of time, it, much, that, more that, than skin, much more so than skin on the outside? That would seem like sound logic to me, but I don't know. Kebbo, do you have any, right. any insight into that? Uh, why are you asking me? I don't, know. I don't have any tattoos. Because like, I've had tattoo conversations before with Tyler. We don't get to work with you. We're not blessed with your presence as often I as we would like. I bet you wish you did, though. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have any, you don't have any input? Uh, no, I don't have any tattoos. My girlfriend, I could ask my girlfriend. She's got a lot of tattoos. Does she have one on the inside of her lip? Not that I know of. Maybe she used to, and it went away. Does she have I'm your just name? Saying. Does she have Kevbo written on her Body not, no, not yet. Does well, she have an almond tattooed anywhere on her body? An, an element? Yes. Does she have an almond? Oh, an almond. An almond. Uh, not to my knowledge. She have one of the almond brothers tattooed on her at That's any good point. Too, right? One of the almond. Yeah. yeah she's Greg big. almond. Sure, Greg almond. Not almond. Almond. Okay. Right, do, you, do you want to take these calls? Sure, what do you want to do? You. I don't this care. Is I, I don't care. Like We're I really, I'm indifferent. Or the, 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 um, I do have a good story for you later. Though, oh, good about a drug suspect. Or to do that next. Yeah. When we come a, back. The most polite caller we have has has been very patient. Matt and Streamwood. <laughs> oh, okay. You were giggling. You knew I was coming to you too, Matt. You knew it was you. I heard the beep, Sylvie. That's why oh, I got okay. that call. Ah, oh, see, he's a radio expert. <laughs> Where did we just see you at, Matt? Uh, the Twin Peaks and Oprah. That's, That's right. right. Always, you, you're always... Uh, very friendly. Very friendly. Cordial. Yeah. Super loyal yeah. guy, too. Yeah, sir. Sir, and Sylvia, I'm glad for you. I heard about your three-year remission for the cancer. Congratulations to you, Thank sir. Thank you. Appreciate That's great you. to hear. Uh, well, Sylvia, may I ask you, like, when you asked about that question about what the Bear fans want, Sylvia... What I want is I want an OC. Like, Sylvia, I've, since Dick has been fired 30 years ago, we've had 14 offensive coordinators, and not one time in that tenure has there been a, a quarterback that we drafted that the OC was married to, that they wanted. So it's always a forced arrangement, like with Matt Nagy, with Mitch Trubisky, or uh, Bill Lazor with, you know, with, you know, with Mitch Trubisky, or, you know, whatever, Bill Lazor with Justin, whatever. And we go on and on and on. And the same thing when we had Ron Turner, 
well, we drafted or we traded for Jay, and then yeah. Ron Turner and Jay had the problems, and we just don't, and we just seem to go in that circle. Mike Martz, Mike the, Martz was kind of thrust upon Jay as well, correct? Wasn't have we, it? Wait, so wait, the Bears have never had in the since the beginning uh, with Ditka, we've never had a, a coach rookie. and quarterback come in at the same well, time like, or brought right. in. Yes, I, like I said, so we had fourteen OCs since that time. Since Ditka, and we've had what six head coaches and twenty-eight quarterbacks, and so I'm just saying. I just want if if we do trade or if we do want a new quarterback, I want whoever is the offensive coordinator to be in that process to say which quarterback of this do you want. So because if we thrust it upon you, I don't want to have like with Getsy where it doesn't seem to be like Waddle you and, and Mr. Riddick are right. They don't trust each other. Justin doesn't trust Getsy and Getsy doesn't trust Justin, and it's just we're just wasting time. So I just want an offensive coordinator that has their quarterback that they want and that they promised that they could develop. And I don't want that quarterback to go out there until they're ready because with Mitch, he was thrust upon in game five of his first season because Mike Lennon was god-awful. He wasn't ready. Same thing with Justin. Justin was thrust upon in there in game two because Andy Dalton went down with an injury. So I just want whatever quarterback that they say is ready to be our quarterback and they're out there, that they developed them properly, then put them out there. I, I would also echo something that, that, that Lewis said. Look, my my – my conclusions are speculation. Like I'm when I say that they don't trust each other, it's not because I'm in their meeting rooms either. I have no idea. They may be thick as thieves. I have no idea. But the how things unfold on the field from my chair, it just looks like there is a lack of there's a lack of trust. And maybe that's the wrong word, but there's like I made the point to Lewis and, and I think it's it's an interesting point. Like I don't know how well the offense that Luke has brought to town two years ago fits Justin's skill set. And I think that there was hope that it would fit because Justin at Ohio State was a quarterback that flourished from the pocket. Did he have the athletic ability to make plays with his feet when he needed to? Yes, absolutely. But he didn't really need to do that, so it wasn't a large part of the game plan when he was at Ohio State. So now they've morphed into this style of offense, which I don't think there's a whole lot of experience on this staff running this style of offense. But like you said at one of the breaks, you do give Getsy credit for it. The mini buy last year after he, the Washington game. He was the game. one who changed to it. R- right. And he's had to adapt fly. what he has, what he believes is his offense into an offense that is better suited for this quarterback. So I guess, you know, again, Without talking myself in circles, the point is is that there is these constant disconnects, as Matt's kind of talking about, between coach and quarterback, where you always wonder if everyone's on the same page because they're all coming from different you know, angles, where their strength is. My strength's over here, your strength's over here, and they really don't intersect in the middle enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you see a lot of the inefficiency. And if you're the offensive coordinator and you've looked at a QB that has thrown 27 interceptions and lost 11 fumbles, that's just lost 11 fumbles. Last year, Justin fumbled 16 times and lost two of them. I mean, that's where some of the lack of trust, I think, is is nurtured over a long period of time. So it right. just feels like... I Bob, think- Bob from Rosemont tweeted us yesterday saying yeah, awesome. that when, when you're a dual-threat quarterback and you're a fumbler, that takes away from one of your biggest skill sets. Of like, course. think about a running back. Would you have a lot of trust in a running back that fumbles on that level? Bob said, look, you've got... In 35 games, Justin has fumbled 35 times. If you had a running back 
Yeah. That fumbled once a game. Whether you recovered it or not, what that's, would you do with that running back? You wouldn't run, You'd give, replace you wouldn't, him. You wouldn't give him the ball, right? So to the people that can overlook a fumble right. and don't equate it to an interception. He'll stop fumbling, everyone said. Like, yeah. Well, how do you, well, what gives you that it's belief? It's a flaw that has existed in the game for three years now, which is one of the reasons why I think some of the calls that come in, there is a lack of trust from my seat as I look at it because the, everybody is conditioned to think, okay, we have to do it this way. Right. So, I mean, it's just like, it, this is why I'm just saying it feels like this is, there is this enormous disconnect. And you never know, even as a fan sitting on your chair when the game kicks off, what you're going to see. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, do you feel I, when I you no get prepared clue. for a game? Like, it's one of the few things that I have felt less confident about watching football over the course of the last couple of years as to what to expect from the offense. They have no clue game Production, game, game right. plan, all of that stuff. Especially when you're playing a top-half defense. Yes. No clue. Like, your game plan against the Minnesota Vikings isn't going to look pristine, people, because the other coordinator is very creative and does a lot of stuff that dictates policy to you. So when you watch your offense function, if I was a, I, a, a fan of my football team, when I play the Vikings, I just want to come out of there with a W, and I don't care about, you know, style points. Because I know what I'm facing here is different than what I'm facing against when I play the Packers or I play against the Lions. When I play the Minnesota Vikings with Brian Flores calling defenses, I take style points and throw them away. Because all I want to do is get a W knowing that he's going to muddy it up. And you've just got to find a way to score. Now, you got to score more than 12 most times. But you've just, you have to realize that how you play against the Vikings is probably going to look different than how you play against other teams. 332-3776. We'll talk to Courtney Cronin. We can take your calls with Courtney, too. So if you want to form in a question or, or bring it up, Tyler, why don't we do that? I, I know a lot of people want to talk. So why don't we take questions with Courtney? It's a perfect time to do it here at the bye week. We'll talk to her coming up at 4. Would you rather at 445 tweet your questions using the hashtag WSWouldYouRather to Tyler Aki underscore and to Kevbo underscore. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Hey, can I just ask yeah. you a simple, uh, couple simple sports questions before we go to break again? I you come had back a goofy with story. No? I do have one too. You want to hear that? Yeah. One? I just wanted to know who do you have tonight, Bulls or Bucks? You know what Travis said to me upstairs in marketing? He he said, "I, I," he goes, "Hey, I got the uh, Bucks uh, to cover." I'm like, "Are they playing the Bulls?" Like, I didn't even look to see who the Bulls are know? playing. Like, it's so, I played it's a so parlay, disheartening. I played a parlay over one and a half threes made by both Lopez and Middleton. That's the only bet I made. Are, are, is everyone playing on the box and it's only eight and a half? I don't know. Is Giannis and Dame both playing? I think so. Dame was listed as uh, threes. Um, I think he's... It, what's Zach? How's Zach... Uh, how, how he's... How's, how's he how's doing? What's he doing? I don't know. Listen. That's why the line's eight is he's playing. Wait, and why is he playing? Sit his ass out. Uh, enough with him. <laughs> enough. Like, sit him up. He doesn't want to play. He, sh- he should trade him just in, when, when, when there's a trade. But until that time, what, what is he doing? You're, you're only hurting 
It'll be a TV. Situation. It'll be TV two for me tonight. I got or and we got hockey tonight too, right? We got hockey. Yeah, uh, but uh, TV one's got Dallas at home against Seattle. I think that'll be a boat race because it's in Dallas. And Dallas they're plays very well. well at yeah, home. they're playing well, especially. Uh, what, what's your fun? Uh, Don't get me all hot and bothered now over the the Bulls. Drug suspects claim someone put meth in his underwear while he was sleeping. Oh, yeah. I sure. hate when that happens to me. When a corrections officer found a plastic cylinder containing methamphetamine under his penis, a Florida man denied ownership of the narcotics and claimed to be unsure of how the package got in his underwear. If, if According if, to an arrest affidavit. If Tyler would have given you this as a Florida or Ohio. Florida. But wait, isn't meth... Ohio? It's an Ohio tip, usually, yeah. usually, it's not unique just to Ohio, but it is, I would say, this is an unscientific statement. I think it is the drug of choice in Ohio more so than it is in Florida. So, but you still would have... sugar, I think, is probably more more popular in Florida. But you still would have guessed Florida. Yes, I would have lost. Oh, no, 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 I would have guessed Ohio. Yes, okay. you're right. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yes, I would have lost. Because I would, if I would have said to you, when a corrections officer found a plastic cylinder containing methamphetamine under his penis, a man denied ownership of the narcotics and claimed to be unsure of how the package got in his underwear. And if then I somebody asked me the question, Florida or Ohio, you would have I would said, have said Ohio. Ohio. That's what I would. Yes, say. the disco- uh, discovery of the drugs. Uh, in the drawers of Caleb Phillips, 46, came yesterday evening as he undressed from his civilian clothing and changed into his jail clothing. I just thought it was interesting how that's your that's your response. I don't know how yeah, that got sure. my. I, Someone, how, I, I was sleeping. I, yeah. I was. I, I was just. Someone just decided to tuck peace. a vial of meth. Yeah. Under my junk. I was just having a peaceful night's sleep, yeah. and someone pulled down my underwear and stashed, uh, stashed under there, it. Yeah, yeah, stashed right there. some some meth. They lifted it up. Yeah. Put it under it and then put it back down. Tucked it right there. I just thought that was interesting. Like, I'm always a fan of excuses for poor behavior. I found that one to be quite entertaining. That is a good one. Yeah. All right. uh, Coming up next, we'll uh, talk to Courtney Cronin. Your questions for Courtney, a good time to do it at the bye week, 312-332-3776. A lot of uh, baseball rumors. We'll get the answers from Jesse coming up at 5 o'clock. Lots to do. It's Waddle and Sylvie.